Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people love. They're an absolute idiot. Astonished What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Ah, oh, wasn't that some weekend? Wasn't that some weekend? Ed on Friday night. The snooker right across the weekend. Katie Taylor, the early hours of Sunday morning. What a weekend, eh? 0818 96 96 96 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A giveaway every day this week. With Aiken Promotions and live at the Marquee. Yeah, it's only a few weeks away. Marquee opens at the back end of May. And today is the 3rd of May. So only a few weeks away now to live at the Marquee. And I have tickets and dinner to give you every day this week for live at the Marquee. Thanks to Aiken Promotions. That's coming during the morning. But I want to go first to Damien. Damien Long from Damien Long Coach Travel in Skibbereen because during the week in the run-up to Ed at uh, Parky Cueve there were, we, we highlighted the fact here that there were no shuttle buses down to or back out of the stadium and there didn't seem to be any extra late night buses being put on anywhere at all and that they closed the, the parking ride at the normal time on Friday night but Damien you noticed something as well were you running some private coaches back to West Cork good morning to you hey good morning PJ how are you um, yeah well PJ we run the, the, the West Cork Connect I've been out here before with that yeah. um, service that, that runs from Bantry and Skibbereen direction up and down to Cork um, every day and we put on a special at 12 o'clock at night back to back to West Cork but um, you know the air coaches the club connects everybody had everybody had extra buses back for the for the people after it, but um, the bus the bus station was empty, as you can see by our photographs and yes. Facebook over the weekend. There was nothing there; like it was no there was no service put on. And 
Our argument is there, like, is rural Ireland is forgotten about. This wouldn't happen in Dublin. Like, in Dublin, there'd be services from every angle. But yeah. Minister Eamon Ryan, you know, he gave the 20% off and the 50% off, and he gave it to the PSO services only. But where were they to be seen? Last, last Thursday and Friday, no. Like. In terms of terminology, Damien, that means that my leap card has 20% off it and I've noticed it since it came back. But your service, you don't get any discount. Um, well, not your, your your normal price. Your normal fare for anybody would have 20% off it. A youth leap travel card would end up having 50% off it. Yeah. But only for people that would travel on public service obligation. Now, in rural Ireland... That's very little. In Dublin, you have it on the Dart, the Lewis, Dublin bus. You have it everywhere in Dublin. But in rural Ireland, the commercial operators like ourselves, the private commercial operators, we would carry a lot more people every day uh, in rural Ireland, in the cities and, and, and different places than, than what PSO services would have. But look, unfortunately, decisions, PJ, in this country are being made are being made on the basis of, of Dublin and they're not being made. Anything beyond the Red Cow mm. is forgotten about. And and as they say, if this concert was in Dublin, no bother, people could avail of their 50% and their 20%. Yeah. But in, in Cork in Cork last Thursday and Friday night, no, they had to rely back on the private operators to take them home. If it wasn't for the private op- operators, nobody could have got home to, to West Cork on Thursday or Friday it, night. But also, I hadn't... I'm, I'm sure I saw this across my desk, Damien, but I wasn't aware, and I only got an air coach from that key uh, a week or two to go to Dublin myself to see to see uh, Ed Sheeran. You're yeah. going to lose those parking spots. Yeah, 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 that's that's gone as you call it, just have Terminal 3 at times. That's, um, Patrick's key is, 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 is going to be finished at the end of this month, and all the private operators are going to be kicked out of it and spread all around the city. Like, I mean, it's going to destroy connectivity for Cork and, and, and So you it, come up there, Cove Connect comes up there, the Air Coach comes up there, all those so services are all gone. Those services are gone. gone. Yeah, yeah. We would on average we would carry over sixty people to eighty people a day out of West Cork that would get off our bus and walk straight back onto an air coach, a go bus, a Dublin coach, a city link to Galway. The, the the connectivity in that key is huge, like and, and, and they don't they don't see it like and um Look, the people making these decisions, I've met with them in the council and stuff, like, uh, unfortunately, they don't understand. And it's directly this. across the river from the bus station, which, of course, you're not allowed to use. No, not allowed to use, not allowed to go near it, no. And, and to be honest with you, the breaking up of, of Patrick's key, I think, uh, same as the 20% and the 50% being given to PSOs only, uh, they're trying to break up the private guys in this country because look, we're 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 showing up that it can be done cheaper. People are travelling with us, and 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 we run a totally different service. Um, yeah. But but if they if they break us all up and on the key, I mean, look, they're putting all the Dublin buses over by the train station. And uh, the excuse I was given from the council is that they came up with an idea that they'd put them by the train station because it was better for connectivity. Because when you got off the train, you could go on the air coach. Like, why would you take the train from Dublin to Cork and then get off it and get on the air coach and go back to Dublin again? I mean, in all fairness, nothing makes sense. But look, it doesn't need to make sense. That's that's what's wrong. I know we're trying to organise a meeting there with the mayor of Cork to try and see can this be saved? Um, because because I think a lot be. of people, Damien, and look, as I said, there's been a lot going on in the news. So it, it might well have slipped by some people and the lack of public bus services late at night after Ed Sheeran was the issue that you raised in your Facebook but I think, and I'm just throwing it out there for what it's worth, losing that 
Patrick's Key service where you can go to the four corners of Ireland effectively and you go to West Cork and you go to Cove and you go to all losing that service those parking spaces at the end of is the end of May is it? At the end of May yeah. A lot of people are not going to know about that. No, nobody knows about it, and it hasn't been highlighted one bit. Even when it went out for public consultation, it was called the McCurtain Street Project. It never mentioned St. Patrick's Key at all at all. And it's like, oh, this was a, look, PJ, this was a complete cover-up. Like, and we didn't even know about it ourselves. Nobody once spoke to any one of the operators on that key. They said it was our job to go and speak to them, but we didn't know what was happening. So in, we've only found out about this in the last two months. And where are you going to go? that this key is going. Um, we're being, they've, they've, they've told us that they've built a new bus stop on Anderson's Key. Um, now, you'll see it down by the jury's in. Um, I, I, like, I went down there for a look the other night, actually, while I was waiting for the bus that's coming to the edge and it was a dark, dreary space down there where the new bus stop was. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be taking your, your, your child down there for that new bus stop. It's, it, nobody knew, nobody would know where to go. It was amazing. Like, everybody left Ed Sheeran and you could see them coming in their droves back to Patrick's mm. Key because they naturally knew that if you get back to Patrick's Key, there was going to be a bus to Dublin, there was going to be a bus to Cove, there was going to be buses to West Cork. Mm. It's what people know. But at the moment, what they want to do is they want to put the West Cork Connect uh, nearly a, a half a mile away from the Go Bus. They want to put the City Link to Galway another half a mile away down by O'Connor's funeral home in Covert Street. Like, they're spreading us all out around the city um, where there will be absolutely no connectivity whatsoever. And like, how much were they planning to tell us of this? I, I, I take it they were going to spend a lot, an awful lot of money advertising this, that instead of everybody being in a nice, reliable, central location where you turn up, where you want to go to the airport, where you want to go to Galway, where you want to go wherever, or to, but, but, you, you now have to sit there and go, okay, I want to go, where have I got to go now for that bus? Where have I got to go? And there's no, like... There's no names to the places where you're going to as well, so it's very hard to advertise. Like, like they're putting the Dublin buses on the Lord Landmire Road. The Lord Landmire Road could be any distance. It's very hard. Like, it's very easy to tell people Patrick's Key. That's where you go to, and you'll see your bus. But, but trying to tell people all these different places around the city, it's going to it's going to take years to to, to get that into people's heads again. And 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 they notice like, we why not we just let you use the bus station? That's the that's the the bit I can never, never get happen. my head around. No, that'll never happen. That'll Neither. Never happen. What, where's the sense to that? Um, yeah, there, there is no sense to it. But look, it's it, it isn't going to happen, and 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 it never will. Like, but like PJ, if you look, we do we do bus service with say from Skibreen every morning at quarter past six. That lands in Patrick's Key at five to eight. Yeah. Okay, it then people get off our bus, walk straight back, and get on the air coach and leaves at eight o'clock for Dublin. Yes. That's that's literally we we work on time and the air coach will wait for us and we will wait for them if it's yes. the opposite way around. But and the connectivity is brilliant for people going to Dublin that morning. They can go straight from West Cork on to Dublin. Now where we'll be parked if you get off our bus, it'll take you fifteen minutes. So we'll arrive at five to eight, and you won't get the air coach till ten past eight. So you can forget about that connectivity. That's gone forever. So there's no sense in in what they're doing, and all this has been done to put a cycle lane in there. No, cycle lanes are needed. And, and definitely are needed around the city. But they could have put them, like in Dublin, where they built a canter-leave out off the, the river and put the cycle on that side or the walking uh, footpad on that side. But, you know, it, there was no, no thought in this. It was just a case of take away all these buses. Um, so I honestly think, Damien, that you're, the late night, the lack of late night public buses from Ed Sheeran was the, the story that you were raising and a, and a worthwhile one. But I think you really have poked 
a bear this morning because I certainly, as I said, I, I had not seen this. So that the end of May, one of the, and I would say it straight out, one of the most useful and well-operated public service pick-up points in Cork is done away with from the end of May. Yeah. To be and replaced like, with a cycle lane. Now look, that's cycle lanes are coming, there's more of them, that is what it is. But they're doing away with this central location for all the buses, all the private buses. They're doing away with it to put in a cycle lane. Cycle lane. They're putting in a, a, a dual cycle lane. They're putting in five 15-minute uh, set-down car bays, two wheelchair bays and a loading bay. Now, when there was buses there, they wouldn't put 15-minute car bays. Mm. There, but now that the buses are gone, they're going to put them there. Like, and, um, and instead of okay, if you must do that, you must do that. We accept that. Instead of then having another location for all of the buses to meet and continue to do what they do very well, only in a slightly different location, you're all scattered around like snuff at a wake. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's just going to destroy. And, and you'll see the big guys pull out of the city bit by bit because it won't suit them. Like, and that's the problem. You could see the air coaches and and go bust and different things like they could pull away if it doesn't suit them if, if it doesn't suit what they're doing um, and that's going to destroy things for the city like PJ they, they, they give out now about in the last couple of weeks about the train being gone and the train tracks being gone because they said back in the 60s it wasn't needed it reminds me exactly what they're saying now when I spoke to the council they're like Astro Patrick's key isn't needed it's not needed anymore for you you don't need to put your bus up there it's, it's just has, yes. any, has any one of them walked up there to look at know. the buses. When they spoke to us, they didn't even know what direction our buses go in. They didn't know who goes in what direction and what we do. So um, they couldn't have known. They, they've, they've never looked at us. This was all done in a sheet of paper inside an office. No thought process at all gone into this. Damien, thank you for that. Uh, we'll see what listeners think. Damien Long, from Damien Long, coach travel of Skibbereen. He was raising the point, and he does the, the West Cork Connect, and a great service, so I believe. And they tie in with the air coach so he leaves West Cork at we shall say quarter past six in the morning and he arrives at Patrick's Key at five to eight and people get off of his bus and get onto the air coach and off up with them to Dublin or to Dublin Airport that's going to be gone by the end of May Cove Connects I'm assuming they do the same Cove Connects come up from Cove many times a day they park there the air coach goes from there the Dublin bus goes from there the Galway bus goes from there the private operator and from the end of May, gone. So all of those services that operate from Patrick's Key by the end of May, at the end of May, are all gone and scattered around the city. And we're meant to be providing connectivity. Up in Galway, the council has a coach station separate to the bus station and it's fabulous. You're correct. You're absolutely right. I mean, the last time I was there, actually, ironically, I took the bus to, to Galway I was going up, and even more ironically, it was a Green Party national conference. This is years ago, and I took the bus because I don't, I don't like driving to Galway for some reason. I just dislike the last section of it in particular. So I took the bus, and there is a separate station for the. Oh. 0818969696. I'm a taxi driver. Oftentimes, some people are going to, but don't know what bus they're getting when they get to Patrick's Key. It could be Air Coach or Go B. It's confusing, especially for foreign people. It is, but at least they're all in the one place. At the end of May, they won't be. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie Courts 96 FM. I just want to say before we move on, I, I meant to do this at the top of the programme. Speaking of West Cork, as we're just there, where with Damien Long, some very sad news broke at the weekend. A man that I never met, but knew by reputation. as just a guy to get stuff done. His name was Declan Newman. Uh, he was the founder of a group called the Lockhine Lappers. They were a swimming group and they were out in the lake whenever it was whenever it was feasible to swim. They were out in the lake and they'd been doing it for years. And he was involved in every kind of community work and every kind of community project in his locality. And the very sad news broke at the weekend that Declan Newman had passed away quite suddenly having finished a swim on the lake uh, over the weekend. He suffered a heart attack and he passed away. So our thoughts are with him and his family and uh, his many friends who knew him through swimming or through anything else he was involved in. The late Declan Newman. 0818 96 96 96. If you have any thoughts on the, the changes coming in the bus services from Patrick's Key, and as I said, I've used them a couple of times, gone to Dublin a couple of times from the Key. That's really, really efficient service. You get on there on the Key, it leaves, bang on time, it's back, bang on time, it's three hours to go to Dublin, to land on the Keys, and it's reliable, you know you know where you're going from, you know where you're coming back to, and it's, it's great. But now, they're going to be scattering, and the same goes for Galway, and they're going to be scattering this all over the city. Your thoughts? Your thoughts are, are welcome at 0818 96 96 96. Are we going to go there, or am I going to Onokura? Just checking to see where we are now. We were at Onokora, well, at the Taoiseach's office on Friday afternoon. Uh, word filtered through to us here on Friday morning that the residents and families of Onokora were headed to the Taoiseach's office to hand in a letter of petition. And I went over there and I met them that afternoon. I, I let you hear that in a wee while. But first... What a night it was Saturday. Now, it was more like close to Sunday morning after a gruelling fight. Just an absolutely gruelling fight that it was impossible to call at times. And having watched it back, I would have been very worried about Katie midway through that she'd hold out. Um, it was just an incredible battle between two women. A battle is what it was. Between two women who clearly like and respect each other so, so much. It was a phenomenal fight. And this happened at the very end. After 10 incredible rounds here in Madison Square Garden, we go to the judges' score totals, and they read as follows. 96-94, Amanda Sagan. 
And Judge Guido Cavallari scores this bout 96 to 93 for your winner by split decision. And still, the undisputed red white champion of the world, Katie And still was trending. Hashtag and still. What a moment. It was as close as close could be, but in the end, the greatest female fighter of all time stands tall from Ireland, Katie Taylor. Diane Bracken, what was it like to stand by and watch that? Good morning. Good morning. It was absolutely unbelievable. Whereabouts were you? We were, oh my God, our seats were brilliant, so we were just back. We were in section two, so we were just back from kind of the media. It was unreal. Right, yeah. Now, Diane, for listeners, is the person who won our wonderful trip over to see Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano uh, in Madison Square Garden with, with 96FM. So tell me all about the weekend. What a buzz. Oh, my God, what a buzz. It's very, I'm wrecked from it now. I just landed in Dublin. <laughs> and it was all go, but oh, my God, what an amazing weekend. Yeah. It was just surreal. Like t- 10 rounds and you wonder with a professional fight like will it go the full 10 rounds it was hard in your mouth stuff at times though wasn't it Diane can you hear me I can it was hard in your mouth stuff at times wasn't it oh it was it was she was going good at the start and then in the middle we were like oh no and then she came back at the end but you could see it like we could actually see it proper up close and you could see her face and everything and I was like I don't know what she's going to laugh but she came back strong in the end and we were like oh my god the the cheering the Irish crowd there was unbelievable it was just so yeah. surreal it looked like the Irish were, were in bigger numbers there oh definitely majority were Irish yeah. it was brilliant and even when we left the, the stadium all the chanting and the singing along the streets it was just it was unbelievable yeah. do you know what was fantastic Diane was watching the two of them at the end to, they clearly have the the highest respect for each other. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, they were hugging at the end, and even the Puerto Rican fans that were there, they seemed happy for Katie as well. Yeah, yeah, they now, were cheering as well because we were there was a few around us, and they were they were happy as well. You know, there was no kind of like bad blood or anything. Yeah, yeah, and you were really up close to see, it. and then you, you you enjoyed the sights. Or did you get much time to enjoy the sights and sounds of, of of New York for the weekend? Oh, we did. We made the most of it. We did. I, I bought my mom with me, so she hasn't been away in years. So I was like, "Come on, now we need to get going. We need to get going." Right. Um, but we made the most of it. We did, and we had a brilliant time. We're absolutely wrecked now, but it was all worth it. <laughs> so what, what did you see? What what did you see? What parts of the, had you been well, there? Had you been there before? I was there years ago, yeah, but we kind of did, like, the last time I was there, we did all, I did all the sites and stuff. Now, we did a few sites, but mostly it was shopping and relaxing and just enjoying the buzz of the place. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of, we went to do a bit of shopping, then went to Fifth Avenue and did a bit of window shopping there. Yeah, I know, yeah, window's all you can afford, <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's all we could do there. But no, it was great. Down around Times Square, there was a great buzz. Even in the Irish bars, everyone was going to the fight, even the night before, so there was... They had bands on there. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like, the time is ridiculous for us here at home, but what time was the fight itself? Was it 10 o'clock or something? It was night? 10, yeah. And they were saying she mightn't come on till half 10, but she came on at 10. Right. Um, she did come on at 10, and it, it was it was just brilliant. And then the, the fact that she went the full rounds, and people were saying, oh, she needs a knockout. And I was saying, I don't know, I think she's doing well, but I, I don't know much about boxing. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. I feel like I'm a boxing fan after that. Yeah, I, I was talking, I, I was trying as I watched the, 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 because I used to watch a lot of boxing in my younger years, and I, I was trying to score it, and and to be honest, if I was scoring it, I I, I couldn't have have have, have uh, found a winner there. It was yeah. really, really, really tight. It was even mixed along the crowd because there was a group of Irish girls next to us, and we were like discussing it with them and stuff, and they were saying the same. Like some were saying, "Oh, she has it," and some were saying, "Oh, I don't know, I don't think she has it." So it was really up to the last minute. It was suspense, like yeah. see what you know who actually won, and then when she won, the place just erupted. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a rematch? Well, they're already talking about one. I don't know, I hope not. I hope she just takes the title now and leave that be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, unfortunately there's something in the contract where, where there has to be a rematch. And they were talking yeah. yesterday about Croke Park, but it looks like Madison Square Garden will be the favourite to host it again. But I mean, if they're going to do it for late night television in America, you'd be, you'd be going into the ring in Croke Park about two o'clock in the morning. Like, I know, yeah. That's can true. you imagine the residents? <laughs> they'd have a seizure. <laughs> I'd be going to the next one anyway, honestly. It was amazing. It was Oh, I would, yeah. It was the best buzz ever, like, yeah. All right, all right. Dan, now, how are you going to get back to Cork? The air coach. I'm just waiting on it. It's coming at 10 o'clock. All right, listen, it's great. And you're you're tired, but you're all right. We're wrecked, but we're on a a high now, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. And I want to thank you so much for the opportunity. It was amazing. It was, it was, uh, we've got some of your pictures as well. They're brilliant. Yeah, I know. I had some videos that I probably couldn't send you because I'm screaming in the background. So it's grand. It's grand. <laughs> no, we got the pictures and they're up on Twitter. So you had an absolute ball of a weekend. We had a ball. We had a brilliant time. We did. All right. Listen, delighted to be able to, to do that for you. Uh, Diane Bracken and her mom went over to see Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, courtesy of Quark's 96FM. And they're just back and they're absolutely exhausted and they're about to get on the air coach to Cork. Welcome home, ladies. 0818 96 96 96. John O'Donovan. Ah, John. I am going to fall out with PJ over this, but I think it's absolutely disgusting to see a spectacle made out of cheering on licensed thuggery. Look at the state of her when she's finished. What about all the sparring? What about all the head blows? What will she be like when she's 50? Will she be like Ali? I've not much time for male boxing either. But with all the problems we have with violence directed towards women, I'm deeply uncomfortable with seeing, especially men, cheering at women being hurt. Don't know what to say to that. Don't know what to say to that. She's the greatest Irish boxer of all time. In a sport that is as old as time itself. But John thinks it's cheering on licensed thuggery. And he says, with all the problems we have with violence directed towards women, I'm deeply uncomfortable with seeing especially men cheering at women being hurt. What will she be like when she's in her 50s? Will she be like Muhammad Ali? Well, John, we know boxing is a dangerous sport. I'll give you that much. We do know boxing is a dangerous sport. And we do know that sometimes boxers, if they don't retire in time, if they don't retire young enough and when they're fit, they can have major problems in their later years. That's very true. Give you that one. But I'm not so sure I agree with you on uh, your comments with regard to violence. I think it's a totally different thing, totally different issue. But does anybody agree with John? 
0818 96 96 96. Some of Dan's pictures are on our Twitter right now. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Every year, Cork people share their stories to support a very worthy cause. And each time, we're astonished by their amazing bravery. If you need a light to shine in. 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th for Cork Cancer Services. And I'll be there. Every year we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Send to email radiothon at 96fm.ie. Email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. I'll be everything you want to. I'll be there. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 26th to 28th. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Simply Red, live at the Marquee, 1st of June. Uh, tickets for you to go to see that. And dinner before it at Sober Lane. So dinner at Sober Lane. And concert tickets to see Simply Red, live at the Marquee, on June 1st. I want your name and the name of the song to 083 Three ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Now it's just a snatch. I'll play it a couple of times for you. What is that simply red song? All right. Your name and the name of the song, please. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Give you plenty more times to hear it between now and quitting time today. And that's with thanks to our friends at Aiken Promotions. 0818 96 96 96. So the letter that the Onakora residents and families had all signed was handed in to the Taoiseach's office on Friday afternoon. Now the Taoiseach wasn't there, but the office is, is manned of course and the letter was taken in. And there was a group of about eight or nine people there. And I went down to talk to them. And, and one of the first people I spoke to was Michael, who I spoke to in September when I met the residents at Onakura. And it was good to see Michael again. I met you last September. That's right, yeah. And you didn't know where you were going then. And no. you still don't know where you're going. Oh, we haven't been told anything. And neither has the staff. Yeah. Oh, the staff are still basically in t- total um, uh, darkness about where we're going. How long are you living there now? About ten years. But um, the thing is, um, th- there was there was a there was talk that we we might be sent from where we are to car- a place in Cargline, which was which has about ten beds. It could hold ten residents, and there's eleven of us left. But there's all kinds of problems have developed with the place in Cargline at the moment, yeah. and um, we haven't been told of any alternative either. Yeah. What's it like to have all that uncertainty? Well, it's it's been such a bad year for everyone. It's it's like um, it, I, we're we're, we're kind of used to it by now. Yeah. Um, my brother died of COVID nineteen. I got COVID nineteen. Um, we're told the centre was closing and there was other things. And um, I'm so used to being uh, I, I'm so used to problems that they're they're basically not as big as they would otherwise be. Yeah, I remember when I when I talked to you last September, you you, you had a lot of anxiety. You seem a bit more relaxed now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um. It's it's um I I do a lot of prayer meditation actually and I find that a help and um I've I've I'm gi- I'm given the space and time to do it in Onakura. I also do a lot of poetry and um art and um there's there's poetry and art groups in Onakura. Um, th- there's a lot goes on there and um and, and you'd be afraid you might lose them somewhere else like yeah well you would um 
Yeah. As well as that, I, I when I did get the virus, I was in isolation for 10 days. Right. They were extremely careful. My meals were brought to me in my room and um, they prevented it from spreading. Yeah. And they've done that several times because um, we, a few of us have, maybe about five in all have come down with the virus. Yeah. Uh, they're put in isolation and the meals are taken in and out and the, um, the staff wear special suits when they're coming into the room. Seems to be so so well managed when it there is, was a yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You've come here today to hand in the letter to the Taoiseach. Yeah. Do you think he'll respond? Things things can take a long time in politics, and I'm hoping he will. Um, a lot of a lot has developed in the meantime. Um, when we're, when it's actually brought to his front door, he, he might he might finally get involved. He's not there, but did they take the letter? Uh, yes, they did. His admin person took the uh, letter on his behalf. It was actually a letter that was put together by the residents of the centre and signed by all the residents um, expressing their wish to remain in Onakurit. They've been consistent in that message from um, the very beginning when this closure was announced. And it's really shocking to us that nobody's listening to them. The, the residents couldn't be clearer about their wish to, to stay in Onakura and live in Middleton. Since we spoke last September, this has gained momentum in that the Oireachtas Committee has now said there's no good reason to close this place. And yet, the, the plan is still there to close it. Yeah, we're we're actually um, shocked by that as well, and that's why we've um, ramped up our response to come to the Taoiseach's office today um, to uh, to look for his support and his intervention to support the Oireachtas Health Committee's very reasoned uh, assessment of the need to retain the service and to retain the Onakura um, centre. So it's it's shocking that we as residents. Or we as family and residents um, have had to go to such lengths to, um, I suppose, highlight this campaign. Um, the Oireachtas Committee came down and visited. They have um, heard testimony from the residents, from ourselves, um, from the staff in the unit, and they um, are crystal clear that the service needs to remain and the, the that the centre can be um, revamped and re- re- refurbished. So. There is a, a problem here, and we, we don't understand why um, why there is this resistance. It's, it doesn't make sense. It's, it really is at this stage only the HSE that is saying, no, it can't be done. We're not sure. Is that just a lack of empathy or a lack of understanding of the population that are living in this in this centre. These are people with very high level of need. They are established in this centre and in this community. So this is something that is a substantial service that needs to be retained. You have a relative there, as we said before. Yeah. How, how are they doing? How are they handling this? It's been really difficult, to be honest, PJ, um, to to live with the uncertainty of where, where you're going to live. For anyone is distressing. For people with um, mental health difficulties, it's it's just really awful and unacceptable that they um, will be put through this by um, a health service that professes to, to care about them. Ken, your brother has been living there for a number of years and you've been here handing in the letter to the Taoiseach. You're not going away. Oh, absolutely not. I, you know, and this is this is our message. You know, we are going nowhere because who is in charge of our government? Is it Michal? At the moment, your T-shirt. I'm standing outside your office at the moment. Okay, and I would like to say to you, we are talking about mental health patients here. Okay, who are very vulnerable in society. 
they, they are totally accepted into the, 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 the community of Middleton. Everyone knows them, okay? They're quite safe to walk up and down the town. They're quite safe to walk into their own homes or family homes or other people's homes for a chat, okay? When they go back to the centre, the entertainment that they have over is second to none. And they, they are insured by it be, being in the health centre that the medication is correct and taken at the correct time all the time. They're, they're so well looked after and they've all told me that, even themselves have told me that personally. Do you know the Oireachtas Committee have said there's no good reason to close it. They've written to the Minister, Mary Butler. There hasn't been a response for her yet. Are you hoping the Taoiseach might move things along or at least get an answer as to why the HSE seems insistent on closing this? I mean, he is a former Minister for Health himself. Yes, and but PJ, this is my point that I'm trying to make, you know, is, is that it's like, it is like that the, it's the HSE and the civil servants of that part are running the country. Because, like, there's many scandals after coming up in recent times connected to the HSE, you know? And the HSE come out and they tell us they're engaging with the families, they're engaging with the, the residents. They are not engaging, okay? Because I'm Thomas's representative at the meetings. And we had two meetings. One was tell us we're closing, and another one then was to say that they were going to move Thomas to another area in Cork. And has anybody asked him what he would like? Thomas won't say a whole lot of words. Thomas says, the only call centre in Milton has to stay open. In the story, that's what Thomas said. I hope that unlike most other politicians, that we actually get a response to the Health Committee's letter in which um, the, the Oireachtas Health Committee, and remember they're a cross-party group, they have investigated the reasons put forward by the HSE for the closure of the Onakura Centre and they have found the evidence on which the closure is based to be unconvincing, mm -hmm. as they put it. And that I letter quote, is in the public arena. This, we can all see this. And they have said that it needs to be reversed urgently. Now, that's three weeks ago and we are still waiting for a response. Has Minister Butler been back and contacted anybody or have you heard from her office? No, she has not. And we've emailed and have, uh, ha have had no response which I think is indefensible. At the end of the day, there's a principle in democracy that we pay our taxes, so we're paying our public representatives to represent us, and I expect that job to be done. I'm not interested in the problems that they have at a personal level with their management. They need to put on their trousers and go and do their job. Otherwise, they're going to be consequence, electoral consequences. We're not going away. So the more we're ignored, the bigger we're going to get. Now, we've become aware, because of this campaign going on and on and on, and from a series of tireless um, freedom of information requests, um, that there are another cohort of residents, a bigger cohort, that have been moved out of Millfield House in Blackpool. This is um, a decision taken by the same HSE managers. And we're now going to make contact with them. So instead of dealing with the Onakura residents and relatives solely, we can double and increase our numbers. So if the government want to ignore us and they want our group to get bigger, that's fine. I'm up for it. Now, at the time of speaking to the residents and their families outside the Taoiseach's office, we would have been there about maybe quarter past, half past two on Friday. No word had been received back from the Minister of Mental Health, Mary Butler. Within hours, we got sight of her communication. So the chair of the Committee of Health is uh, Deputy Sean Crow. And he, following the 
committee's recommendation that this decision be reversed and that it was unjustified. He wrote to Minister Butler on behalf of his committee member members conveying this to her. And she emailed him back and she refused. And she has refused to intervene. She has given some reasons, which I'll go into later. Uh, effectively, she's given the same reasons for closing Onokura as the HSE has been given, uh, giving since last July. Things like once planning work for refurbishment began, it became clear refurbishment would mean demolishing the building, etc., etc. She talks about the Mental Health Commission. She says it was identified that systems were all beyond end of useful life and the premises is failing in standards, etc., etc., and then she says, as service provider, the HSC has responsibility for delivery of mental health services and it would be inappropriate for myself or the department to intervene in this matter. In other words, the Minister for Mental Health has refused to ask the HSC or to request the HSC to at least pause this. So the Minister for Mental Health has refused to ask the, the HSC to reverse this decision. I'll be getting some reaction to that later in the programme. But you can imagine how that went down over the weekend in East Cork. Minister for uh, Mental Health has refused to intervene on Onokura. 0818-969696. A seminar is take place in Cork later this month, 24th May in fact, to, as it says, provide time and space for frontline practitioners to pause and reflect on their work. And I'm uh, joined by one of the people who will take part in that uh, seminar, Dr. Maeve Hurley, former GP. And you spend most of your career, Maeve, I think, supporting frontline practitioners in every element of their work. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, PJ. Yes. And thank you for having, having me on to represent the Heart Frontline Practice. Delighted to do so. The, 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 the title of the event is Reconnecting with the Heart of Frontline Practice. What does that mean? Well, it's interesting. I suppose there's three of us that are collaborating, three people who've been in frontline practice and from different disciplines. So myself um, and my background is general practice, so I haven't worked in medicine um, I, I founded a charity called Agaishtak and Jim Sheehan from the Social and Health Education Project and Dr. Nicola O'Sullivan, who's an independent social care consultant. And about three years ago, before COVID, actually, we got together and I suppose in our kind of talking to each other and supporting each other, we we began to sort of think about the fact that we would really like to start a national conversation, if you like, and raise awareness of the importance of reflective spaces for people working in the front line, um, you know, across the board. So not just maybe medical practitioners, not just teachers, not just social care, social workers, but across the board, how can we work together to create spaces that that feel safe, where we can come together, where we can talk about mm-hmm. some of the challenges of work. And when you say, where did the title come from? I suppose sort of a deep sense that um, very often what's drawn us to the work in the first place is, you know, um, some sense of meaningful purpose in life. You know, like we all know teachers who are absolutely amazing and practitioners, doctors, social care mm-hmm. workers and, and other people as well. I'm not excluding other professionals, but and there's a sense that there's something that drew them into the work, some some purpose in life, you know, where there's like I'd love to help children 
grow and develop, or I'd like to cure illness, or I'd like to work in palliative care, or I'd like to work with children leaving care, you know, some, some sort of deep purpose. And I suppose in the busyness of practice and in the complexity, I think, mm-hmm. of the systems that we work in, that can often get lost because people get exhausted. You think about what, um, you know, what those sectors have been through over COVID. I know lots of, most people have been affected by COVID, but the pressure that those systems have been working in and the people Mm. in the systems has been pretty relentless, hasn't Mm. it? And there doesn't seem to have been, and like you say, you set up your your group before COVID, but there certainly does not seem to have been at any point a safe space where, like you said, everybody on the front line can just come together and just have a good old talk about what it's like to be on the front line. No one seemed to be offering them that. Well, I think because, you know, it's been a question of survival, really, isn't it? You know, if you when I think of like when things are under incredible pressure, the systems, the people themselves, you're just in there trying to do your work, get through the day, get out the other end, get into your bed, get out the next day. And it's very hard it's actually very hard for people to even come into that space. You know, you need a certain, I mean, I don't know how you find it in your show, but, you know, you're often listening to distress and trouble and, you know, very key, um, you know, things that are very close to people's heart that they really care about. And so, you know, we all need space, don't we, to kind of process that, sort of think about it. And sometimes when you're at full belt, you, you just can't step off the treadmill well, if you like. It's funny, you got... in the very early days of the pandemic when things were very fraught for everybody, I remember yeah. thinking that and talking to some doctors and nurses who were brave enough to come and speak with me on the programme about the pressures yeah. they were on. They wept on the telephone. Yeah, as they told me exactly. The and I used to sit at home myself in the afternoon and think how lucky I was to be able to make an hour in the day just yeah. to chill. They didn't have that. Exactly. So sometimes when we're in the front line, you know, like, and there is a crisis going on, you know, there just isn't that space. But, you know, I think we can always think about how we will create it or we might create it. And obviously there are other people in the system who maybe aren't quite on the front line who can be thinking about, you know, well, okay, what's going on for a front line practitioner? They'll be listening, we're taking moments, like, like probably you did. I'm sure that it was helpful. I, I didn't hear those interviews and that was great f- that you created a space. But, you know, I wonder what the impact of those people being able to say, look, this is what it's like for me yeah. and you to listen oh, and them to have some kind of forum, you know. The, yeah. thing, the things they told me were, were, were horrendous. And something they spoke about was trying to balance the dedication to their own work with keeping their families and their own loved ones safe. And it was agonizing yeah. for them. Yeah, and a daily, I'd say, struggle, like if you're heading into, you know, um, an infectious pandemic, you know, where in a way you're putting yourself on the line, you know, and that you may get a disease and bring it home. And that's very scary as well as, you know, yeah. But I think in terms of the, the bigger picture, like in general, you know, what we expect of our frontline practitioners, and that's not just medical people, but our teachers, our social care workers, lots of systems, our family support workers, mm-hmm. our early years support, you know. I, like I tried to do a list we, one day of who's on the yeah. frontline, and I ran out of yeah. pages. Uh, yeah, which, you know, exactly. Who can attend it's, this event on the 24th of May? Well, it's we have um, 
Well, anyone in the front line and indeed any managers, we'd be delighted to, to have people that. that. So we're, we've kind of confined it at the moment to health, um, education, social care and social work. But, you know, we do have we do have CPD approval for counselling, for psychotherapists. Obviously, a lot of them work in those sectors as well. And we do have um, continuous profession um, sure. development approval for other other sectors, you know, for, for medicine and um, social care as well. So that's really good. So, um, I mean, we did we did open it up a little bit initially, but I think, say, for law, because obviously a lot of solicitors work, you know, they need reflective spaces as well, mm. depending on the sector. Well, not depending on the sectors, but but the, I think they felt a little bit at sea, you know, in yeah. in the group. So we, we sort of pulled back a little bit yeah. from that. So, so that's who we've confined it to at the moment. Yeah. It's um, a hybrid event. Just, How can people get involved? Well, we... In the ideal world, we'd love people to come along and um, to Nana Nagel Place. It's an absolutely magnificent conference room there. And so we will hope that most people will be in person and we've had a very good response. And then for people who cannot, you know, um, come because we have some people from it's a national event. So they'll be able to join us online. And one of our speakers, Professor Tom Hutchinson from McGill University in Montreal, who talks about whole person care, he, um, he's going to be joining us. Um, okay. virtually, okay. but then Joan Fletcher, who's the, who's a psychotherapist and head of social work in Goldsmiths, um, she's retired now from there. She's going to come in person, which is wonderful. And um, Nikki Egan, who's the principal um, in North Perez, will be there in person. So okay. we'll have two speakers in person, one person, and then we'll have, we'll have small group spaces during the day. So it's really important to give people a chance to connect with each other. So okay. we'll have some some opportunities for speakers, some time for small group reflection, which will be facilitated, and um, and then some open, you know, open discussion. Okay. But I think in terms of reflective practice, I suppose what we're trying to do is really create spaces where people can think about their own professional practice. Okay. And the reason for that is to sort of gain a deeper understanding of myself in the work other people I work with and the meaning, um, you know, that's that's created in those spaces, okay. you know. So what do I need to kind of continue to to be the best practitioner I can? You have a website uh, where there's more information and people can find access to the event. It's called heartoffrontlinepractice.com, all one word and all the information is there. Dr. Maeve Hurley, I'm out of time, but thank you very much for that. 0818 96 96 96, that event on the 24th of May. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. The big Vicks weather forecast was very brief. A nice dry sunny day for most of us. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96, the number to call. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Now, our Simply Red giveaway again with Aiken Promotions. Today we've got uh, tickets for Simply Red. Uh, 
the 1st of June at the Marquee. Yes, Marquee. In less than a month's time. 1st of June and dinner at Sober Lane before that. So if you're a Simply Red fan, text the name of the song and your name to 083 396 96 96. All right. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Not giving you much. We had a few comments in on what John said with regard to the Katie Taylor fight over the weekend. Uh, two sporting events kept me captivated for the weekend. Other things were more captivating from other people, but two sporting events had me captivated at the weekend. One was the snooker and the other was the boxing. And John said, I'm not going to fall out with PJ, but I think it's absolutely disgusting to see a spectacle made out of cheering on licensed thuggery. With all the problems of male violence we have directed towards women, I'm deeply uncomfortable with seeing men cheering at women being hurt. I know she was not look at the state of it when she's finished, what about all the sparring, etc, etc. And I did ask at the time, did anybody agree with John? Uh, I'm not against boxing, or women boxing, says this call, but I think she would be wise to retire now before, as he says, will she turn out like Muhammad Ali? Even tennis players and golfers retire in their 30s, never mind a sport where you suffer re- repeated blows to the head. Uh, Kevin says it's pretty mortifying to conflate women's boxing and violence against women. Two point, the two points have nothing in common. And by the way, PJ, she's our greatest ever international athlete, bar none. And this one, I fully agree with John. A pundit on the internet was advising her to retire now at 36. It showed a clip of her in trouble, and honestly, I didn't recognize her. I wish Katie well, but I worry for her health, and I find it hard to believe she could fill the likes of Croke Park. By the way, it wasn't a major talking point among my sporting friends in the past few days. Thanks for that. Well, whether or not she'd fill Croke Park, I don't know. I do not know whether or not she'd fill Croke Park. I don't know how they'd do it for the American networks anyway, because you end up with the fight having to be at like 2 o'clock in the morning, unless it was done for a European American. But look... The fact is that she probably does have to. That there probably does have to be a rematch. It's usually in the contracts for these box, for these fights that there is a a rematch. And what I was reading last evening was that Madison Square Garden is already pitching in as the venue for it. But we shall see. We shall see. But certainly, thirty six years of age, as she's fit and healthy now, would would I like to see her defend this and win again and then retire or just defend it and retire? It's up to her entirely. She's surrounded by people who have her health and welfare at the top priority. So we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Thanks for that, guys. Any more thoughts? 0818 96 96 96. Now, we touched many times, actually, over the last, uh, I suppose, it's only a year now, I think, probably close to a year, since we began to talk on the opinion line about what initially was sort of an emerging shortage of HRT uh, medication. And we got word, Fergal drew my attention to some stuff, international stuff, uh, months back. And we looked into it, and there was an emerging shortage of HRT. A few weeks ago, I spoke to Jess um, about her struggles, and Jess is very young, had a full hysterectomy, very young age, and she's in full menopause and only 31, and she's struggling to get her meds Chatting to her recently, she has managed to get the meds she needs, which is great, but she had a struggle for them. 
And then over the weekend, uh, this Instagram went up from Catherine O'Keefe, the wellness warrior. Women going up the north, trying to get scripts renewed or fulfilled on the internet. Women bringing scripts on holidays. It shouldn't be happening. It really shouldn't be happening. You should be able to walk down to your local pharmacy, get your script fulfilled, get your HRT. Catherine, if anything, it seems to be getting worse. And I know they've got an emerging problem also in the UK because listening to some British radio discussions, they have problems region by region. It varies. But there is a desperate shortage out there of HRT. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? There is. And and listen, you know, this isn't a new thing, unfortunately. I mean, this is going back a couple of years now at this stage. And, you know, unfortunately, we've got women across the country who are simply distraught with not being able to access their regular HRT. And, you know, this means that women who are already struggling with challenging symptoms of menopause, they're facing additional challenges on top. You know, even the anxiety of not knowing Will I get my script next month? Will I be able to uh, renew it? Will I have to move on to a new generic brand that maybe my body isn't familiar with? So it's a it's a massive, massive issue. And it definitely needs to be a priority. Now, we know that there are challenges that we face in Ireland in that certainly when it comes to the supply of the supply and demand of HRT has globally increased massively over the last couple of years. And in relation to Ireland, we are smaller than some of the countries out there. Mm. So, you know, our 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 standing in relation to the priority queue is going to be lower than say the UK but even our our colleagues in the UK are having massive difficulties as well in relation to the supply so one of the biggest issues we're facing is it's not a new issue it's been going on for a couple of years but what's happened in the last 18 months is the unprecedented increase in prescriptions for HRT which is Great in so many respects because there's been so much more awareness around menopause and the treatment options that women have. So that's supply and demand. And, you know, I think a lot of catching came from some of the old myths being busted. Exactly. There were old myths and they got busted. And and that was a good thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, big time, big time. And I think this is where informed education is so important. And, it's you know, making sure that that women, their doctors, their kind of their medical team know what is suitable for them based on their personal medical history. You know, so like the, the, the supply and demand issue is always going to be there. There's definitely probably issues in relation to the sourcing of ingredients that are used to make the HRT products. Um, so, you know, this it's going to become, it is a big picture. It's going to take a long time to sort it out. But for Ireland, what we need to make sure is that we don't, women are being forgotten and we need to make sure this doesn't happen. If we look back, PJ, in 2014, there was massive L-troxin shortages. L-troxin is a very common medication for men and women who mm. um, are experience issues with thyroid. There was a massive shortage. And then there was a huge drive behind this to make sure that the shortages uh, were dealt with and that they were back in stock. And that happened. But there was a massive outcry. And that's what basically triggered it. Mm. Now we need the same to happen. The government 
are aware they do um you know interact and uh, talk closely with the health products regulatory authority which is hpra and they basically look at medications that are coming into the country and they're also you know meant to be keeping an eye out for shortages and so forth and i know that they are in regular contact with mm. the government but we need to look at more because we need to lobby the government we also need to look at you know, maybe there's generic brands that yeah. maybe could be, um, you know, approved and that then could be given to women. When you look into that, though, Catherine, in terms of generic brands and, and anyone mm. I've spoken to about HRT, they'll all tell you. And then a lot of different stuff I've read and listened to. Once you get the balance right in your meds, yeah. the slightest yeah. adjustment to that mm. balance mm. Mm. can throw you. And, and that's why some people worry about changing to anything, let alone a generic. Oh, massive, like massive. And I, I've i spoken to like hundreds of women at this stage, PJ, who will tell me that they've moved from from one existing brand to another and they found that it may have, it'll have caused some sort of a change. But now we do on the flip side have women who will change and they will be okay. Yeah. I think the, the issue that really has to be dealt with here is that we are doing women an injustice by not having these basic medications on pharmacy shelves. So we've got to make sure that there isn't an anxiety every single month. Anxiety, will I get my patch? Will I get my gel? Mm. You know, how can I get my script? And then it's ringing around. It's driving around pharmacies. Like as the clip you just played, like I have spoken to women who are have been to Spain, have been to Portugal, different countries, and they're bringing their scripts with them. Mm. We know there is a huge amount of women going up the north and they are successfully getting their scripts um, uh, fulfilled. Now, even we do know the UK have huge issues when it comes to um, HRT shortages as well. But, you know, many women are, you know, able to take that drive up the north and, you know, get their Mm. prescriptions. But that's wrong. That is fundamentally wrong. Someone compared this a couple of weeks ago, Catherine, Supposing we discovered in the morning that there was a severe shortage of insulin or there was a shortage mm, of mm. Um, uh, epilepsy medication, yeah, you, you would yeah. pull out all of the stops all, all to get that stop. sorted. Totally. Totally. And, and and if you look back at L-troxin in 2014, that's that's similar, because if you don't have L-troxin and you've made your issues with your thyroid, I mean, that has a detrimental impact on your heart health and so many other aspects of your life. HRT has the same impact for so many women, and it might be just how they navigate in their working day. It might be how they just navigate life. You know, if you if you strip away any form of medication suddenly from the body when you're used to it, that's not a good thing to do. So women need to be able to know that every single month or, you know, ideally they can even get their prescriptions fulfilled for longer, which pharmacists can't do at the moment. Mm. And that's not the pharmacist's fault. That's purely they cannot stock them, you know, and they can't meet the supply and demand. But the anxiety um, uh, that women are facing on a daily basis. At a time in their lives, Catherine, where anxiety is yet another symptom of what you're going through. (laughs) Exactly. So you're you're like you're already struggling possibly with brain fog, anxiety, hot flushes, urinary issues. And then you put on top of it 
this additional form of anxiety. And, you know, like, you know, the lifestyle aspect of menopause is really, really important. But and, you know, regardless of whether you're on HRT or not, but that anxiety doesn't go away unless you know that in your drawer at home on your shelf your press at home you have got your supply of hrt and you don't have to go and start moving from a patch to a gel to a spray cutting up your figuring out what exactly and there's another thing cutting up the patches sometimes the way women are actually cutting up the patches to try and make up their dosage you can cut the patch wrong and that can basically mean that you're not getting the same um, amount of any given hormone that you should be given. So ideally, ideally, you don't want women cutting up patches. You know, ideally. That Kevin, you Kevin just, just says here on get... our Twitter, he says, I'm on L-Troxin. If I don't take it for a few days, trust me, I'll know all about it. It's the only thing keeping exactly. me going. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I take I take Eltroxin myself, and if I if I didn't have um, my dose, I know for a fact within probably five to seven days, I'd probably um, have palpitations. I'd probably have panic attacks. Uh, you'd have increased anxiety. Um, you, tons, tons of issues. Can be Lastly, Catherine, who so needs we need to step to... up here? Is this is this a, is this a political issue? I mean, we have all the major manufacturers. All have bases here yeah. in Cork. I mean, okay, you can't necessarily yeah. Yeah. But you make more of that stuff. But but surely we have some sort of muscle with the industry to get ourselves. Yeah. Or should I we? think yes. I I definitely think. And I was only um I was only talking with the government about it last week. Um, and that we we've got to do more here. We've got to kind of bring the parties together. We've got to kind of you know make sure you know are the government you know keeping on top of the health products regulatory authority HPRA are they are we staying on top of them you know are we making we're a small country in the bigger in the bigger scheme of things I know I spoke to a colleague in the US last week they have no issues PJ no issues with HRT shortages we need to make our voice louder we need to make sure that you know women's voices are being heard and our vehicle there is to come through the government and we need just the government to start to rally around this now and to basically start shouting louder, which many have been doing. And I know the Cork TD, Mick Barry, the, um, you know, was was a great voice um, in relation to supporting women through HRT shortages recently. So we just need more of those voices okay. and kind of just, you know, making ourselves louder. OK, Catherine, thank you. Catherine O'Keefe, wellness warrior on Instagram. Another voice raised uh, demanding action on a chronic shortage of HRT, hormone replacement therapy and it's, a, it's like any other medicine. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to going to be going through something in your life where you need to take meds and you can't get them. What must that be like? I mean as a man I'll never have to worry about menopause thankfully but you know I might need medicine for other things. I take I do take medication for, for something and if I, without it for a few days, well it's my fault because I've just forgotten to get it but it's, I start struggling. The Menopause Success Summit is on May 21st in Cork and Catherine is the organiser of that. It's on at the Radisson Blue in Little Island. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Let's get down, let's get down to business.
We're back to the music. The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Tickets are on sale for that event at the Reddish and Blue Little Island on May 21st. You need to buy tickets at the website menopausesuccesssummit.com. In the pause, success summit. dot com. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, a young lad called James Casserly has been touring Ireland over the last couple of weeks, using public transport wherever he can, and going to tourist attractions up and down the country to see and to gauge their accessibility. James Casserly, good morning. Hi, hi, mate. You were in Cove at the weekend, and Cove did pretty well, I think. Um, yeah, it did okay to be honest, but it wasn't it wasn't the best that I've been to so far. Um, a lot of the shops and a lot of the restaurants and a lot of the hotels weren't that accessible to be honest. Okay, tell me about yourself. So I'm I'm James. I'm 16, and I want to travel 32 counties around my public transport. Yes. So in your spare time, when you can get off school. You're travelling around the country to see various places. Yes, that's yeah. correct. And um, on the on every every week, every, every I do it most weekends. So I'm going to Kildare Town today because I'm off school today. And then on Sunday I'm going to be Essendon. And then so and then the weekend after that I'm going to Waterford. So I go I go to a different county about. Once a week on on weekends. Okay, good man. And and you said Cove it was okay, but there was a lot more needed. How did Cork do in general? Um, I only I only did Cove okay. because I'm I'm going to um I'm going to County I'm going to County Kilty West Cork in in the summer, and I'm and I want to do Cork City another time, and I also want to do I also want to go back to Colbach City to do. Spy guy in tar. Okay, okay. And you're in. You you have your own motorized. It's a motorized wheelchair, I think, from the look of your pictures. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's motorized. It's a powerchair. Yes, okay, that's correct. Yeah. Put me put it on to your mom, Vicky. There for a second. She's with you. Morning. How are you? Hi, Vicky. How are you? He's a great lad. Good. And he's doing great work. Where he's do you good. get the idea from? Um, we like to travel and we like to explore. And I suppose I've always taken the tact, you know, he has cerebral palsy and a number of other kind of medical issues, but we always try to find the ability. And I guess, you know, we don't want the environment to be our obstacle. We want to try and navigate around it. So he just kind of suggested he loves. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Public transport and... He said he'd love to try and do Ireland um, just using public transport to show the accessibilities of our public transport, I suppose, infrastructure mm. and alongside places to visit and maybe share it with others that it's not something to be afraid of and um, fully aware that there will be blips and slip ups along the way. Yeah. But I guess James wants to work with people to kind of try and be proactive and positive in terms of what improvements can be made and yeah. it's really through his eyes yeah he wants I to suppose, i think highlight you know, where life is difficult for really him highlight. compared to other 16 year olds exactly and yesterday he took a trip to cove with his granddad and his cousin and i suppose irish rail it, it's you know very smooth experience kent train station um had you know, a really accessible ramp. But around Cove Town, what he discovered, I mean, Cove is a really popular tourist destination. So you'd kind of like to think everyone could go there. But I suppose even down to one of the souvenir shops, he couldn't gain access. But to be proactive, he kind of said, well, you can get a removable ramp, you know, even and a doorbell. So you can ring the doorbell, the ramp can be put down and you can open your doors to many customers. But I suppose the shop owner wouldn't have necessarily been engaged. But then the opposite, at the Titanic experience, um, they, it was fully accessible from start to finish. They had the doorbell, the staff were aware of access needs and it was absolutely fantastic. They had a great time there. So I guess it's really just trying to show that, you know, if you open your doors to everyone, I mean, there's two-sided, I mean, there's the touristic side, there's the ability to navigate around your own country. But again, like for the business owner, you can open your doors for more revenue by ensuring you have mm. the access there to allow people cross the threshold into your business, mm. you know. So it's really interesting. Um, it's, it's certainly an eye opener. And he just hopes that it proves to be helpful for other people along yeah. the way as well. We have a beautiful country and he's right. He should be able to travel the country. And yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> I, 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 disability campaigner who happens to be a part of mine often said to me, look PJ if a world, in a world made for me, you can move around no problem the reverse is not the case, in a world made for, made for you I have problems, I thought I learned a lot from being told that Yeah, yeah, no, and he's right and I suppose if you go back to you know, I suppose in the world of disability, there's been studies over the years and there's the medical model of disability, the social model of disability, where the environment is the obstacle, not the person, where medical, the person is the obstacle. You're trying to move away from that. You know, you live in a world where everyone wants to participate and should have that, you know, opportunity to, 
to mm. participate and live life to the max. So I think in this day and age, we should be moving away from that yeah. medical model and ensuring everyone sees socially. These are things that can be done that open the doors of our world and communities to everyone. Someone made the point on the phone, uh, Vicky, that pavements, I, I know James hasn't actually, I don't think, has he done a Cork City visit yet? But he, his caller said the pavements in Cork City are shocking compared to other cities. How, do, how did you find them? Pavements over. Well, I'll, I'll let him talk to you about the pavements yesterday yeah. because he came up with something really interesting. Great. James? Um, I, I didn't actually go around Cork City at all, but um, this time because I just went from the train station to Cove. Cove sure. But well, in Cove, the pavements, the footpaths um, were too. There was a bin, there was a bin, no, not really being negative, I'm not negative, I'm not trying to be negative, but there was a bin where, where the, where the ramp was to get down off the footpath across the road, there was a bin, so you couldn't use it because there was a, it was, there was a rubbish oh, bin. so there was a the, ramp blocking the bin, or a bin yeah. blocking the ramp? Yeah, yeah. Uh Okay. That was replaced by the local authority. So where we have images where the access point is there, the tactile crossings for those that would have visual impairments, you actually couldn't use it because they placed a bin in the centre of it. Yeah. That, that, that. Well, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the rest of Cork, Cork and the big counties are sure that the rest of Cork will be, will be uh, better than Cove, Hopefully. Well, you'll come and see, I'm sure, and tell us how you find it when you when you come to visit. James, thank you, and congratulations on the work you're doing. James Cassidy and his mum, Vicky. James, touring around Ireland, he has cerebral palsy, he's in a wheelchair, motorised wheelchair, and he's just checking to see the world of accessibility. But there's the thing, and he has pictures of it. So he's in Cove, and there's a ramp on the pavement to allow wheelchairs up and down, and there's a bin blocking the ramp. Only in Ireland. Only in Ireland. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Stephen James Smith is a Dublin poet and playwright involved in the rise of the vibrant spoken word scene today in Ireland. His poetry videos have amassed over 2.5 million views and he comes to Cork on Friday night to play Collins Live. Access all areas. Irish country legends Jimmy Buckley, Patrick Feeney and Robert Mizzle, otherwise known as the Three Amigos, return to Cork Opera House tonight for one show only. Tickets are still available from the box office. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Someone was on to say, can you repeat what you said about the buses on Patrick's Quay? My daughter has to use that stop coming home from college in Wales. So we discovered this this morning on the programme. And I'm sure, look, it's out there somewhere. And someone will say, oh, that was there in the public domain. Maybe it was, but I didn't see it. And certainly not for the listeners to the opinion line didn't see it. Uh, this came to us this morning from Damien Long, coach operator. He runs the West Cork Connect service to and from Skibbereen every day. And he said that there's a plan 
that in the end of May, from the end of May, all of the buses that now use Patrick's Key, so that's the, the airport bus, the CityLink, the Cove Connect, the West Cork Connect, the Air Coach, whatever you have in yourself, any bus that presently stops on Patrick's Key or takes off from Patrick's Key will not be there from the end of May because that particular area where the coaches pull up has been closed to put in a cycle lane and all of the various services will be moved to different parts of the city. That's the plan from the end of May. It's something I've no doubt we will come back to. We had a, a response to it and I'll just read it out for what it's worth. The Green Party PJ will destroy Cork just like they did Dublin with their ridiculous ideas. Hopefully come the next election we'll see the end of the Green Party. That's just in for what it's worth. 0818 96 96 96. Now Beryl, good morning. Good morning. I, I've been reading about your story and reading your... That since you came to Ireland in 2019, your, your, your life has, has completely changed. You, you grew up in, in, in Kenya. Kenya, yeah. And you, you were 13 and something very, very, I guess, life-changing happened to you. What happened? I was outed. And it wasn't a planned thing. It just happened in a blink, uh, you know, a blink of an eye. So as most heterosexual spaces would fit best, deem best, uh, I had to, you know, engage in early marriages, early marriage. So, and I had to lose somebody that, you know, I had known for quite a, a while. We shared a classroom together. So that was really a lot, you know. Mm. When did you realize yeah. that your attraction was to girls? Uh, right after the incident, because I chose not to really act on how I felt, because at that time I thought that, you know, it's just something that perhaps women just do feel. Because, you know, as women, we tend to be overly friendly, comment on stuff, just, you know, be overly close to people. But after the incident, when people literally made me feel that, you know what, this person died because they were trying to express themselves. And I stood there shocked watching people that constantly tell us that we are loved regardless of who we are. Mm -hmm. Take a life away right in front of me. Would you, so, would you, would you, would you go in to just tell listeners, Beryl, who may not have read your story, what the incident was as you describe it? So I had just uh, finished my primary national examination. And after the final examination, usually students stay behind, take, you know, pictures, uh, exchange contacts, you know, explain what they intend to, you know, do in high, in high school and college later on and all that stuff. So since I was about to leave, go back home, uh, this girl, uh, she was my classmate for a long time, but she was very, she was more 
introverted person per se. Uh, and that day, since everybody was finishing their final exam anyway, she decided to act on her feeling. And she kissed me. So when that happened, I was in that shock, not because of the keys, but because of the bravery at the time. Yeah. Because being in that area that you're dominated by heterosexual people that are overly not only religious, but also bound by, you know, traditional rules that clearly states that you, if you see any homosexual person, it's death for you. So at that time, all the only thing in my mind was, wow, I mean, that's bold, but... So, so she walked up to you, you were, only, you were only 13, she walked up to you and she kissed you there yeah. in public. What happened? Mm-hmm. what happened then? After she kissed me, you know, I was still in that frozen state. And two of the boys, I remember, just started saying, you know, calling the F words, fagot name. And before... Within a short time, everybody, all the students were out in the class. The teachers were out. And the guy started beating her black and blue over and over. And she was crying. And I just stood there. And it took me so many years asking why her and not me, you know, because that leaves you with that trauma. They beat her to death, did they? Yeah. And this was other teenagers. Well, a lot of things are normalized in less developed country. That's for sure. Some get married because there are also early marriages as old as early as twelve. Mm. So, as a young person who's like aiming to change the whole narrative in the system from all that recurrent indoctrination. It's hard to convince people that, you know, whatever you believed in was just another trauma bond passing, but you can always make something right, be it, be it, you know, sometimes you just have to rule out things based on your conscience. Even if it goes against maybe religion or culture, but sometimes mm-hmm. it just things are just, you know, you use your conscience, you know. Now, then you were 18 and you were forced to marry a man of 43. Yeah. Who set that up? Who arranged that? That was my side of the family that... Um, were sort of paying a little bit of my school fee. So in order to learn, continue learning, since I was always passionate about education and because I believe that that's the only way to start creating change and awareness. So you're 18. I wanted, I couldn't just pass on the best college that I wanted to go to. But I wish it was done different. Yeah. 
your husband, this marriage that was arranged for you, he turned out to be a very good man who, yeah. helped, who helped you a great deal, didn't he? Completely. It's really different. It's really, at first, you know, I was very doubtful because I don't think I've come across a lot of people. At that time, I had come across people who genuinely just wanted to do something out of the goodness of their hearts, you know? Yeah. People always want something in return. And this was just and a for decent the, man. Yeah. Because at that point, I was like, I have gone through it all. So whatever is coming back to me, I I can't lose anymore, you know? So when I just told him, listen, this is how I do feel. I know the best, usually the first uh, instinct is usually to ask me to try dating a guy to see if I'm really, really gay. You know, a lot of people say that. But I don't think you have to force your feelings on somebody just because you want to. Sometimes you just know, even if you're not acting on it, you feel it. The only thing you might be doing is rejecting yourself because people constantly tell you that this is wrong. Somebody would rather know you since the day you are born. But the moment you come out, it's like suddenly this monster and it's crazy because when you're presenting yourself it's not like you only want to talk about your intimate things no you are there also as a human being as a citizen as a daughter Mm. who just want to contribute just like any other person you know whatever they do inside within the four walls that's their own business like I don't understand why people make it a public thing, you know? It was this lovely man that you married who was much, much older than you. He was responsible Yeah, he told me that he had friends before who were like that in similar situations. So to him... So he rescued you from, from what? And he was the reason that you came to Ireland? He was the reason why I came to Ireland. Is he here with you, may I ask? No. He just told me that it will be easier for me. He will actually got my, he paid for my visa. He paid for my uh, tickets. He got, he made sure I had a a place to rent here. And uh, he, he lived here until I got my papers and started working. And then he went back to Africa because he prefers to live there anyway. An incredible man. Yeah, because initially when I came here, it was it is hard for an a lesbian woman to come within the community as well, because there's also uh, faults in there to explain to people that you know I'm here and I'm a gay woman and I'm a I'm married to a guy, because you have to go in details. That every day you have to narrate yourself over and over. Most people within the LGBT community, obviously, there is discrimination. If you if you are associated with guys, you have to prove that you're awfully gay too mm. to fit in. So coming with all that to find your solace, heal, 
and build something for yourself while trying to also be in a community that obviously whichever group there's always faults so he decided it's easier for me for him to move back so that I find my ground find the peace the solace and actually just start over on a clean plate and you have done because you you have a partner, Esther, now, here in Ireland. Yeah, I have a partner. Wow. And actually, honestly, she's helped me a lot. Because I won't lie. Home, it was hard. Like, same-sex relationships are still being criminalized for up to 14 years imprisonment. Really? So things that, yeah. So little things like holding hands, you can't do that. You're constantly walking with your partner, somebody's in front, somebody's way, way, you know, back just for safety. So even relocating to places like Ireland, it's just there's a lot of things that still uh, you find weird, like it's indoctrinated. It's that it's that trauma there. You know, you see you want to hold your partner's hand, but you think you might think of a time when you tried doing that in your home country, but then got, you know, so it's not easy. But I have a patient person that every day helps me. And, That's wonderful. You know, That's wonderful. Yeah. You have, you have worked, are you still working in Cork? I know you worked in the pharmaceutical industry. No, no, I was, I was in Cork, but I moved to Dublin. Okay. So now I'm doing past, part-time uh, education in uh biochem because i want to be an engineer okay and uh i'm also working part-time okay yeah it's it's your story is an incredible one beryl um a very sad one given what you went through at the age of 13 the way that people tried to as they tried to reform you they tried to turn you into somebody that you weren't and then you married, you were for, they, they forced you to marry, but you married this wonderful man who understood you and helped you to get away. I'd say I'm forever indebted to that guy. Are you still in touch like, with him? Yeah, we talk. Wow. We have grown to be very close friends because... He'd asked me a lot of, he was very much interested in LGBTQ stuff. He learned a lot and he'd asked a lot of questions. Actually, in 2019, when I got here, he was the first one to take me to the Dublin Pride. Uh, and that was like the best moments. What, what did you think when you saw, um, when you saw a Pride march like that, that people could just be out? I was in shock. I ho- I thought that that was just, you know, things. I'd watching the movies. <laughs> but being there in that reality, I felt home, safe. Good. At least it didn't feel like I was alone, really. Safe was the one thing that I picked up when you just said, because I was going to ask you, the girl who kissed you when you were 13 and who was beaten to death for doing that. 
what happened to her family? What happened to the people who did that? Was anybody punished for doing that? Nobody's ever punished. If it's people from the society, they use uh, both the law, the uh, the criminalization law, to act as you know the right wing activists that you know are trying to correct apparently the inhuman nature because they don't deem homosexuality African. I don't want to ask your age, but you were 13 when this happened. How long ago is that? Um, I was, uh, that was 13 years ago. 13 years ago. So you're 26 yeah. now. Yeah. And the law hasn't changed and it would be just, could it happen again? The law hasn't changed. Actually, it's getting worse from lockdown I've tried following up news stories and it's horrible every day. Last week, there was one lesbian killed in our own house. They took out, they took off her, her eye, both her eyes, uh, her eyes. Six men raped her and then killed her just like that. And nothing will be done to them? Nothing will be done. And it gets worse. Every day it's always worse. A lot of people have been killed in way worse manners. Every day. My God. My God. It's sad because growing up I thought that by the time I'm an adult or in my 20s like now, I'd, the world will just realize that this world is really short, you know? Beryl, thank you and and for speaking to me. And I'm so happy that you consider this country your home now. And you're so welcome. It, it is. You are so welcome. Thank you. That's Beryl Ohas. 0818-96-96-96. Lads, we think we have problems. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, a lot of people surprised and shocked by that news. It didn't quite break here this morning, but I think it got its first public airing. The news that in a a month's time, less than a month in fact, at the end of May, all of the buses that currently use St. Patrick's Quay, so the West Cork connects, the Cove connects, the Air Coach, the Dublin Link Bus, whatever bus to Galway that you take from there, any one of the buses that uses the Cork, their Cork stop is Patrick's Key. Any one of them. They won't be stopping there anymore after the end of May because that particular coach stop is being done away with in favour of a cycle lane. There's a bit of reaction to that, to say the least, and I'll come back to those reactions later. Also, we heard earlier on 
this morning from the people at Onakura, the relatives and indeed the residents of Onakura, when they went to visit the Taoiseach on Friday, handed in a petition to his office at Turner's Cross. And of course, he wasn't there, but they took in the petition. And at the time, they hadn't heard back from the Minister for Health, a Minister for Mental Health, rather, Mary Butler, literally just hours after that, when they handed, handed in the petition, they heard back from the Minister for Mental Health, Mary Butler, and she has refused to intervene with the Onakura, with the HSE, on their behalf. She's just refused. She said it would be inappropriate, in inverted commas. She gave 101 reasons why, but that's the fact. She's in- refused to intervene. Get reaction to that uh, before we finish today at midday. But I want to talk to a man who I can't believe in all the years I'm doing this job, I've never actually uh, interviewed. And he's one of those artists who, I don't think it matters where you are uh, or what you're doing, but, you know, one of his songs, any one of his songs can come on and and you just go, ah, listen to that. There are so many of them. Uh, And it's a unique and distinctive sound. In the chili Uncertainty, I want to be in the warm heart of your love and mine. To feel you all around me. Donovan, you're welcome to the opinion line. Good morning. Hello, PJ. I'm here. <laughs> lovely, lovely to have you on the program. I think I remember seeing you years ago uh, in, uh, in in the city uh, playing all those songs and they're so yeah, iconic. Man. iconic How long have you been living in Cork now? Well, uh, as, as recently uh, uh, we were given, Linda and I, the, Cork, uh, the honour of being honorary Corkonians, yes. uh, I, I know exactly the year. It was 89 uh, and just before 90 when we bought the, the old house directory here in North Cork. And what encouraged you to move to Cork? Well, you know, when we were up there, uh, over the years, we would come into Dublin, and uh, uh, and we stayed for a whole year in 1970, rented the old uh, mansion called Castle Martin on the Curra, uh, dropped out of England for a year and a half, that was incredible, drove down the country in those years of 1771, uh, and fell in love with Cork, uh, just loved the West, but... When we were on Gabo, Gay Burns' TV show in those days, he said, it seems like you're going to spend some time here. Don't you be running down the country and leave us alone up here in Dublin. (laughs) (laughs) And And of course I did. Um, We did. But it it took a few years off and on over the years, traveling, doing everything else. And Mm. and then in 89, that was when we said to a pal who knew a few houses around us, said, look, we're looking for an old house, but uh, uh, with four walls, uh, not three. We we don't want to repair anything if possible. Found an old rectory, beautiful old place, very nice. So I guess how many years is that from ninety on? Wow. So that that's that's over thirty years now. So yeah, man. Uh, but we've always felt uh, we've got Irish in the background. There's a lot of the mu- music and poets and and, and actors and, and and creative people. You probably know this. Uh, all over these islands, they call the British Islands. We all have some kind of uh, uh, ancestry that goes back. Ah, sure. I have two. When when they were alive, I had two Irish grannies in Glasgow. Yeah. 
people might not know, Donovan, until they start to read a little bit about you. Um, but they, like I said, they'd hear the iconic songs and they'd listen to them. And Your songs, and I'd compliment you in this way, your songs are such that wherever they come on, you turn them up. And they hold that in all these <laughs> years. Your songs still hold what I would call as a disc jockey for years, turn up ability. You're not yes. going to turn down a Donovan song. You're going to turn it up and listen. And that's a unique thing to have in, in a world of uh, so much blandness out there now. To hear a Donovan song, you turn it up and, and you listen. People wouldn't know, though, for example, that you, you practically taught the Beatles to play guitar. <laughs> well, not exactly. Uh, those boys were skiffling with acoustic guitars in yeah. Liverpool when they were, were young lads. But what actually... Well, my songs, I, I come from a tradition of poetry, music, theatre, and not forgetting, radical thought. The Irish and the Scots, very much a part of my upbringing. And the father, very much a union man. And in Glasgow until the age of 10, I heard everything. All the Irish songs, rebellion songs, uh, songs of love and songs of children, songs of growing up. It, I absorbed it all. I am of the tradition. I'm like your uh, modern-day Gaelic troubadour. I, uh, when somebody mentions something or I'm experiencing something... The song comes quick, yeah. but I didn't know, and who could know, how how popular and how uh, how huge the appeal would be, not just in Scotland and Ireland and Wales and England, but all over the world. It's been my mission to bring uh, uh, the, our tradition to the popular, we invaded popular culture, yeah. we gales, we folk gales, and we brought with us meaningful lyrics. And then one day, of course, I arrived. And I was 65 on a television show with no recording, no no, no recording that anybody was listening to. I, they gave me a shot on Ready, Steady, Go for three weeks, and it was me, the guitar, one young man, and a song, and that was Catch the Wind. And this appeal is like universal. It's very magic. When the Beatles heard what I was doing on my first album, they said, George told me later, we've got to meet this fella. They were the Irish in Liverpool, as you know. And at one point, we'd get poetry and music and a theatre theatrical talent and a radical thought coming out of those four guys from Liverpool. And so we had to meet. When we met, we found that we had common interests and in reading the same books. And at one point, we arrived in India where we were looking to check that meditation TM because we wanted to give it to a stressed out, millions of stressed out young people who were buying our records. That's how we met. We met. We met very early in 65, but in 68, we're in India, and they bring their acoustic guitars. They couldn't bring anything else anyway into the jungle. And I always had my acoustic guitar. And one day, John, uh, after our meditation, after our uh, eating of the vegetarian food and the monkey stealing the bananas off the table, we would sit around in the evening, and John said, how do you do that? I said, what? He said, that finger style. Yeah. Would you show me how to do it? And so I taught John. Uh, Paul was kind of left-handed. He walked around a lot. And John kept saying, come on, Paul, sit down. You've got you to learn this. It's really great. We'll write new kinds of songs from this. Mm -hmm. He knew that. 
Uh, John knew it, but Paul couldn't, but he was a smart guy, our Paul, and still is. He can pick it up by ear. George loved it too, and he took a few things. And so, in a way, I gave them a lot of styles that I'd learned over the years from flamenco and folk style, and that gave their songwriting a new shot in the arm, that's for sure. Wow, wow. That's a great, that's a, a superb story. Now, you were the original, if you like, you were the original environmentalist through music. It's It's yes. been important to you all your life. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't like, that's right, one day uh, I'll call the World Wildlife Fund. But I did in 67. And Peter Cook, who was running it there, uh, and he was in the RAF club in London. And he said, we better come and meet us. Now, I already knew a sculptor called David Wynne who did, who did uh, incredible animal sculptures. And he was part of that World Wildlife Fund. Nobody was thinking of the uh, of the environment then. It was impossible to actually sing a song about the environment and anybody understood what you were singing about. But I was. And also, by the way, it's part of the tradition if you want to go back. Uh, that nature and, uh, and 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 the celebration of the four seasons of the year, very much a part of the Gaelic, Scots, Irish, Welsh poetry, way back. You can still see it and read it in their work. But me, when I met the World Wildlife Fund and Peter Cook, he said, "I think you're biting off something more than you can chew, young man." <laughs> and I looked around and I said, okay, and Huxley was there, the old man Huxley. This was the old school of ecology, you know. David Attenborough hadn't actually started his campaigns yet. So I was an odd fish uh, to actually be telling these World Wildlife guys that, look, I'm here. Uh, how can we do this? And I didn't think anything was going to come of it. And I started writing these songs. The first one was Ricky Ticky Tabby, which was very clearly... Uh, pointed at schools saying the United Nations are not really united, you know, and uh, the organizations ain't really organized. And uh, Ricky Tikki Tabby, that's that uh, animal from India, is not around anymore to kill your snakes. You kids are going to have to learn about how to save this planet. But uh, And then I wrote 21 songs over 50 years, and it was a curious, PJ, that no other, it seemed no other... Uh, singer-songwriter of my generation was abs at, uh, interested at all. But now things have changed. Yes. I mean, do you, do you find yourself sometimes thinking, I told you so? No. Um, how it works is this. Um, at first, um, events events that are going to happen in the future, when they first appear, at first they're ridiculed. You know, uh, here's Donovan singing of fairy tales and myths and legends and ecology and back to nature. What what a dreamer, you know, like Lennon said, people say I'm the dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Yeah. And so these things that arrive, which uh, sometimes 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, it becomes accepted. Um, at first it's ridiculed and, and there's a strong resistance to it. So it's not told you so, no. It's how long it takes for these things to come in. And then you look at commercials now. There's a bank ad over the last few years. There's a, there's a meditating girl on a bank ad. So meditation now enters the common, the yeah. common parlance yeah. of people talking. But one is hoping, one is hoping very much so, that at one point schools will get it. 
you know, and start teaching ecology and sustainability. Yeah. Do you see it? You don't see it anywhere, PJ. Yeah, you don't a... see any any school lessons <laughs> called sustainability or ecology. Now that's a terrible thing, a terrible thing. It's there common, you go. It's, com- it's common to the young people. They have the message, and I guess it's time that some of us began to listen. Donovan, yeah. you're going to be in the Everyman Sunday, May 29th, performing all of those wonderful songs um, well that's right Martina was on to say I met him when I was at the circus he was there I had no idea who he was he was a lovely gentle considerate man when people told me afterwards he had been a big star I was mortified I just wanted to say he was such a nice person in real life Donovan as well, I said, in all, yeah go on go ahead well, uh, t- uh, you know, the Corkonian uh, brought me back into thinking. Uh, I have to thank the people of Cork. So I went out and uh, spoke up to Madeline Sealer of Head- Headline Agency, my agent here. I said, what have you got this small, beautiful in County Cork? And so I played Bally Cotton as a warm-up show there on May 1st, just a few days ago. Yeah. And it was sold out, a beautiful little place. That was wonderful, but I also wanted to thank the people of the Cork City, uh, not just the mayor, <laughs> thanking them for the Corkonian, and now I'm part of Jeremy Irons and Malcolm Flatley and Sir David Putnam, all living here in the county Cork beautifully. But I wanted to thank the people of Cork. So it's my return to live. I'm not sure where it will go <laughs> from here, but I yes, I will play every man 29th May. Well, we look forward to that. And uh, thank you so much. As I said, in all the years that, that I'm doing this job, I've never had the opportunity to speak with you until today. And it's been, it's been worth the wait. Thank you very much. Donovan, the great Donovan, uh, playing the Everyman that 29th of May, honorary Corkman, thanks to uh, Manus Callahan and co with the Person of the Year Awards. That's going to be one lovely gig. If you're not familiar with his music, if you're not familiar with his music, and you mightn't be, um, just look up Donovan on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you get your stuff and just listen to those beautiful, beautiful songs. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Hello? Marie Lynch! Oh my God! Oh my god, this is super, thank you so much. Tell her where she's going. Um, Have you been to Paris? No, I'm actually in shock sitting here. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I'm so happy for you. We've just given away flights, accommodation, spending money and tickets to see Ed twice. In Cork and Paris. With Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. Stay listening for our next big way to win. Exclusively here on Cork's 96 FM. Here's a new idea. And the first uh, in Ireland, in fact, it's a professional business network for the LGBT plus community. Uh, I'm joined by Damien O'Halloran, who is the chair of Work With Pride, and by Laura Hogan. They both join me now. Hi to you both. Good morning. Hi, DJ. How are you? Good morning. Uh, Laura, tell me about the idea. Um, now, I think I'm going to pass this over to the chair, PJ, if you don't mind. He's well-versed. Through the chair. Let's, let, let's, <laughs> keep, the prior, let, let's, let's keep the conventions <laughs> going here. All right, David, you, you tell me about, about Work With Pride, where it came from and who's involved. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so actually, yeah, it's, um, it's a Cork LGBT plus Pride Festival initiative. 
Um, the network itself, it was formed October last year um, by the Cork Pride Festival. So everyone is familiar with some of the events that traditionally happen during the Cork Pride Festival. Everyone's probably familiar with the parade, the family fun day and so forth. But one of the 20 events that we've put on actually was a diversity and inclusion conference. So for the last two years, it was um, streamed live from the River Lee. Um, we had about 450 conference attendees from all over the world. The conference was fantastic. And it was just one of 20 events put on during the um, during the festival of events. Mm. But one of the biggest pieces of feedback actually coming out of the conference was that it's just once a year. And can we have something a little bit more regular? So 10 of us came together um, to establish the network, taking on different roles, different responsibilities, really to kind of bring the network to reality. And as a result, the Work With Pride Professional Business Network was formed. Mm. So um, for us, it's, you know, it's, not, it's a non-for-profit, right? Um, it's a national organization, so it's not a, it's not a Cork initiative, that's for sure. It's a, an Ireland-wide initiative. Mm. Um, and really it's for individuals who are based in Ireland, who are either members of the LGBT, LGBT plus community or, or allies of the community. Um, I suppose really, you know, the goal for us was to build a network of like-minded people who have, you know, a keen and active interest in supporting equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Mm. Um, but also, you know, the purpose was to create an environment for people of the LGBT community, allies, to really build networks, build relationships, mm. attend events, you know. Is, is, it, is it a bit like, I mean, LinkedIn for the LGBT plus community? Yeah, it is actually. Um, that's a good way to put it, actually. You know, a lot of, you know, workplaces... You know, they come in all different shapes and forms, right, from IT to pharma, schools, colleges, you know, farms. And many of those workplace environments have, you know, employer resource groups, staff networks, but many of them don't, actually. And what we wanted to do was to build, okay, kind of like that LinkedIn experience where individuals don't have barriers to be able to connect with other like-minded individuals, mm. be them from the LGBT plus community or more importantly, you know, an, an ally, you know? So, okay. so we're delighted to launch. Um, so yeah. far, so good. Your launch is on, on, on the 12th of May at the Riverley Hotel. Laura, so what's your role here then? Now, now we've passed from the chair to the room. <laughs> So I suppose um, my role, I am the event manager um, in the Riverlee Hotel and we're extremely, um, I suppose, proud sponsors of Cork Pride and have been for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So we held the DNI conference um, last year in 2021 and that's when I met Damien and Kerry. Um, so I'm actually originally from Wexford and I moved to Cork seven years ago. Um, and I suppose that transition from Wexford to Cork, I found slightly difficult and um, just in terms of meeting new people creating a kind of social network and just creating basically um like a brand new friendship circle and for the last kind of couple of years i've been really really keen to get involved with cork pride and it was kind of by chance really damien that i met 
both of ye last year. Um, and that's just, I jumped at the opportunity then to go on the committee for work with Pride and just be their event manager, basically. Okay. And that's, that's that. You, you, this event on the 12th of May, the launch on the 12th of May, you're, you're putting it all together. Where can, where can people find out more and join the network? Yes, yeah, so you can certainly um, you can join the network uh, on our website, and it's www.workwithpride.ie. Now, membership is completely free, um, and it gives full access to member-only events and all our newsletters. Okay. And the event is on the twelfth of May at the Riverley. Is it entirely in person? Will there be a hybrid element to it this year? Uh, so it's entirely in person. Okay. Okay. And do you have to register for it? You would, yes. Yeah. So the the link is on workwithpride.ie on the website uh, on our Eventbrite page as well. Okay, all right. Thank you both for being with us on the opinion line. That's Damien O'Halloran, the chair of Work with Pride, and Laura Hogan. And that event on the twelfth of May, the website workwithpride.ie, and it's a kind of a a LinkedIn for the LGBT plus community. Thanks, guys. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, I just heard about the decision to move along the private buses from Patrick's Key. That's a disgrace. I was back home at Easter. Couldn't believe the shambles of a bus station on Parnell Place. You can't even top up your leap card there, let alone buy one. And there's no information office open any time I went in there. But I still love Cork. Anne says, where are the cyclists heading for in the new lane? Up against a pole? Shoppers and tourism would badly need a park and ride in the straight road in Carrigahan. A little train to take tourists to Shandon and over to Nano Nagel Place and UCC would be far more useful. Well, they've been telling us about that park and ride on the straight road since... Uh, I'm almost afraid to try and remember. Yeah, I get back to that. Willie O'Brien was on to us. And he said, lads, since the 15th of March, toilets have been closing at half past six in the bus station. I've been told by the staff it's because of antisocial behaviour. Now, the nearest public toilets are in the Clarion. It's ridiculous that people are expected to have no toilet needs from half six onwards. I wrote to the general manager and I got a letter back saying they had no option but to close because antisocial elements represented a danger to both staff and customers and that safety had to be the highest priority. The letter continues, however, that toilets will be opened on request of the service supervisor. In the station itself, there's a notice saying the toilets are closed, but there's no mention of this availability on request. They say they will review the situation later in the year. It's crazy. What service closes down at half six? There's cameras there. Surely the anti-social elements can be seen to over time, as it seems a lot of the same people as far as I can see. Not a world of apology in the letter either. So bus toilets at the bus station closed now at half six and antisocial behaviour getting the blame. I, Willie, you don't say whether you wanted to use the toilet while you were waiting for or coming in off of a bus while you're actually using the bus station. Because as far as I know, the bus station toilets are only for people using the bus station. I guess people will always use a public toilet, like a public toilet, but I think they're only for people in the bus station. And the ones in the Clarion Hotel are kind of supposed to be only for people in the Clarion Hotel. We do have a chronic shortage of public toilets in the city, I guess. But anyway, that's it by the by. The toilets in the bus station are closed after half six. Yes, he does use the bus. Yes, he is using the bus. He is the bus station. OK.
Okay. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Toilets in the bus station closed at half six because of antisocial behaviour. Now, earlier this morning, we heard uh, from the residents and indeed their relatives who went to the Taoiseach's office on Friday afternoon to hand in a petition, uh, a signed letter about the situation at Onakura which, as you know, we have been following since July of last year. when A decision was made to close Onakura. And we have been through it and over and back and continue to engage with the families and with the relatives. And we spoke when they were down to members of the uh, Eroctus Committee on Health. And we've recovered it from the very, very start. And you'll know, if you've been following this on the programme, that the relatives and families brought their situation to the Oireachtas Health Committee and that the Oireachtas Health Committee then agreed that Onakura should not close. It was the feeling of the cross-party members of the Oireachtas Committee on Health that Onakura should not close. The chair of the meeting, or of the committee rather, Sean Crow, Deputy Sean Crow, then wrote, as is his duty, he wrote on behalf of the committee to the Minister for Mental Health, Minister Mary Butler. Up to Friday lunchtime, when I spoke to people out at the Taoiseach's office in Turners Cross, there had been no word back on what she'd said in response to the letter. However, within hours that we got sight of that letter sent back, to Deputy Sean Crow, and the news was not good. Um, there's a lot of it in this letter from Mary Butler that we've read before, and I'll make it straight out and state straight out. There's a lot in it that we've read before in press releases from the HSE, or statements issued to the, to the opinion line on behalf of the HSE. This whole swathes of the information in those press releases are in the letter sent by Minister Butler to the chair of the committee. But the letter finishes with a refusal. A refusal by Minister Mary Butler to get involved. As service provider, the HSE has responsibility for delivery of mental health services and it would be inappropriate for myself and the department to interfere in this matter. I'll be talking, or I was talking earlier this morning to Councillor Liam Quaid, the man who first brought this to our attention back last summer, and I got, I got his reaction before we came on air this morning. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Liam, when I spoke to the residents and the families outside the Taoiseach's office Friday afternoon, we hadn't had sight of this letter. Now we have, and it doesn't offer them any hope at all, does it? Um, I think Friday was, was a real roller coaster for families. Um, I think they felt a great deal of validation from the, the encounters they had with the media and, and other people outside uh, the Taoiseach's office. And then a, a few hours later, we got that bombshell of the statement. Um, 
And I think what we're really struggling with here is that, you know, everyone you talk to can see that this service decision is wrong. The people on the streets can see it, the, the broader community in Middleton and East Cork. Any frontline clinician you speak to who works in the mental health services, any senior clinician, um, I, I know plenty of people in architecture and construction who frankly find the building arguments absurd. But we don't have the backing of the people with the power to intervene. And that's despite many months now of, of, you know, working intensively on this. Um, And, you know, many revelations about this service and about other services that are connected to it. And I think the the tragedy of all this is that the people most impacted by this service, service decision are among the most vulnerable people in society. And they're people who have already suffered a great deal in life. Um, and, and what's more, many of these people are invisible and voiceless because this is a much bigger injustice and it's a much bigger story than the current Onakura residents who, who do at least have representation. What struck me as I read the letter, having had sight of it myself at the weekend, it reads like, and I stress reads like, a regurgitation of any single press release you care to mention from the HSE since all this began. Yeah, and I think there's a few points. Uh, I, I, what really struck me is there's a few points in it, key points that are, that are you know, supposedly justifying the closure decision. But these key points have been refuted. For instance, um, there's, there's uh, talk about, you know, once the planning for the refurbishment was, was set in train, um, they discovered that the building couldn't be refurbished. And they went on to say that two independent reports supported this position. But no independent report has, in fact, supported the HSE's position that the Onakura building issues are beyond repair. We, we had an, an independent asbestos report in 2019. We had a fire safety um, report in 2021. Both of those were independent. And they set out the works that needed to be done on the premises. In other words, they said, here's how you would fix it, not you can't. Absolutely. No no report that was independent stated that. And what we do know about the building is that there was actually a renovation costed and designed in 2020. And that report was buried. And we had to go pursuing it relentlessly until we got it. It wasn't provided after one of the um, Iraqis committee meetings. We had to um, apply for it through FOI and then through the Public Accounts Committee. The Minister is standing over what she says is the Mental Health Commission's opinion that Olakura is no longer fit for purpose. The Minister, in her response to the committee, again quotes that. But it's, it's another fallacy, PJ, because the Mental Health Commission gave Olakura a higher compliance rating in consecutive years since 2017. Um, than two of the main alternative facilities, uh, i.e. Um, St. Stephen's Hospital and St. Catherine's Ward. It gave it an 83% inspection uh, compliance rating in, in, in the last report. It did identify um, fire safety issues that needed to be addressed and it did a follow-up inspection in June of last year and it noted in its report that it was dissatisfied with the degree to which the HSE um, acted on its recommendations. Mm-hmm. But its overall, its overall, um, you know, impression of the service and its its overall, you know, quite systematic uh, compliance rating was much higher than actually quite a lot of the facilities in East Cork. So, and in other it, words, the Mental Health Commission, the impression we're given is that the Mental Health Commission said, "Close this down." It never did. It never did. It never remotely said that. Um, one of the things that they they keep mentioning is the Mental Health Commission 
had emphasised the, the size of single rooms as an issue. Um, and they have seized upon this as one of the reasons that they have to close it. They're saying that they can't increase the size of rooms, which again, why couldn't they increase it? Mm. Um, but even if that's the case, um, there's a service in, in Skibbereen called Sale Nua, and everything, every room in that facility is smaller than every room in, in Onakura. Yeah. And then in, in um, St. Stephen's Hospital, one of the main, the main corresponding ward in St. Stephen's Hospital, a place called Unit 8, you could be sharing a dorm-style room with up to five other residents. Liam, uh, the question is asked, and one must ask it carefully, of course, but it's <clears> being asked by many people since we began talking to you about this story last summer. What is really happening here? I, I would love to know. Um, I, I think, you know, we all had a hypothesis early on that it had a lot to do with the, the value of the site and maybe the HC has reasons for that and it has a lot of commercial value. And, and that may be the case. But um, when you look at the, um, the staggering amounts of money that have been squandered in other ser- related services, we've Garnet House where people have been um, where people have been staying from Millfield House in Blackpool uh, for the last two years now at a, at a monthly cost, and that's only the, the rent and the cleaning cost of forty three and a half thousand euro. Meanwhile, their their primary residence in Blackpool was never renovated, and now apparently they're going to be moving back there. Um, we've had Glenwood House was bought for seven hundred and fifty thousand. We've had another five hundred thousand uh, invested in it, and. It, it was 14 months after it was purchased before the HSC applied for planning permission for its use as a mental health facility. And to this day, it still doesn't um, have planning permission. So that all amounts to over €2 million Euro that could have been better spent. Um, so if it is down to money, you know, it, it, that doesn't quite explain it either. I, I, I actually, my own theory is I think, I think if the HSC had their time back, they wouldn't have made this decision. I think they didn't reckon with um, the, the campaign that we would have had. But I think now that they've managed, there's this authoritarian kind of absolute drive to, to see it through. Are you suggesting that they cannot be seen to back down now and that's why they won't? I, I think that, that's my own. I mean, I've, it, it's speculative to a degree, but that's the only um, theory that makes sense to me at this stage. Can I just make one point related to the, the, the money um, that's been spent, PJ? One of the... Well, one of the um, suggestions in the statement was that a, a new house somewhere in East Cork is being um, sourced and a bid has been placed. Now, that's that's very, very concerning to us because there has been no consultation with families about the location of that house. Um, if it is a detached house somewhere in the locality, the likelihood is it'll it'll be able to accommodate a limited amount of residents. So where's the capacity for all the other people in East Cork into the future and, and actually at present who require respite or even long stay mm. placement? And are they now going to spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of taxpayers' money on another property that nobody wants? And why not why not renovate the Onacor Centre? We all know it can be renovated. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the man on the street knows it can be renovated. It, it's it's an absurdity and it's a, it's a massive injustice to put people through this. Liam, thanks as always for your time. Uh, this one isn't gone away, I sense, even though today is not a good day. Yeah, thanks, PJ. Uh, not a good day for the people of Onakura at all, uh, where Minister uh, Mary Butler has, let's call it what she has refused uh, to intervene. Uh, she has refused to 
intervened with the HSE. She said it would be inappropriate for her to do so. You have to wonder again who runs the damn country. You really do. Are they in charge or are the HSE in charge? Because the HSE, last time I looked, last time I looked, HSE was a government body, a state body. So therefore, they should be answerable to the ministers, not the other way around. At least, am I thick? Am I missing a step in here? 0818 96 96 96. Your last chance for this one. All right, what is the Simply Red song? If you want to go to the marquee, June 1st, thanks to Aiken Promotions. And we also send you uh, for a pre-concert dinner at Sober Lane. So give me the name of the song and your name to 0818. Or no, I'm sorry, sorry, to 083. 396 96. Don't ring. They'll kill me if you ring. 083 396 96 96. Now, the Cork Midsummer Festival will run from 15th to 26th June. Full programme is being announced today, Tuesday, May 3rd. Uh, Lorraine May's Festival Director. Isn't it great to be back? Lorraine, good morning. Good morning. It's so great to be back. It's very exciting. Very exciting. This is our first live festival in three years. So, the last time we had a live festival, fully live festival, was 2019. Yeah. Did it get kicked completely to the curb in 2020? And, and I can't remember. No, we, I mean, we, we still had loads going on in 2020 and 21, but with restrictions the way they were both times, um, we couldn't do anything indoors. And outdoors, we could only do for like 15 people, you know, in the audience at a time. So this is a very different festival that we're launching today. Mm. So it's got several highlights and you wanted to talk about a few of them this morning. Sure. Well, we've about 40 events uh, taking place all across the city. So Cork once again becomes the stage, you know, and the gallery. And we have events in warehouses, uh, streets, uh, forts, boats all across the city. Um, we have a few uh, uh, theatrical highlights. One is Kirk Durkas, Guest of the Nation. Uh, it's inspired by Frank O'Connor's um, incredible story. Um, and uh, Pat Kiernan is working with Kevin Barry and Man Mercier um, to, uh, to create a new show inspired by that. So that's definitely a highlight. Um, Gaia uh, by Luke Jerram. Um, it's a huge installation of um, the earth which will be in St. Coleman's Cathedral in Cove. Really incredible one for families. Um, uh, amazing one for, for anyone who wants to get a, a good picture for Instagram. Um, we've a Midsummer Parade this year. We're really excited about that. Uh, we've wanted to do a parade for a long, long time. And we're working with Cork Community Art Link um, to, uh, to do a parade on the streets on Midsummer's Day. So we're going to mark the day with a parade. And I think this is a very good year for that. You know, a good time to, to bring us all together on the streets and to celebrate. You know, I, I was talking to the beatboxers on the show last week. That's going to be fun. It is. It's a fantastic show. Um, I, I, when I saw it, uh, uh, literally within about kind of half an hour, everybody had been seated and they were all up on their feet. Every, every performance is relaxed. It's a brilliant one for young people. Absolutely brilliant show for young people. So for, for anyone, you know, who's going along to the theatre, you know, grab the young people in your life and bring them along as well because it's just brilliant. And there's also the opportunity for them to learn how to beatbox too. We're doing workshops in the run-up to the show and if they wanted, they could even be involved in the show and be be a part of it uh, through a curtain raiser at the beginning. Um, so I would say that's a real, like, electrifying experience in the theatre. It's, it's a, a really brilliant thing that I'm really delighted that we could work with the Everyman to bring to Cork. Tell me more about Tale of Two Cities. 
So Tale of Two Cities is a project that we're running with um, two organizations in Bristol. So in Cork, it's ourselves and the Everyman. Um, and in Bristol, it's, a, it's an organization called Make and Bristol Old Vic. And essentially what we wanted to do was um, partner with uh, uh, some international organizations to enable Cork artists to travel out, meet other artists, see work internationally, build their networks, and also for those artists to come back in and see Cork as well. Um, so it's all about exchange and, uh, and, and building those networks. And I think that's so important now that we're opening up. We've spent so long, you know, kind of closed down. We're an island over on the edge, um, you know, that those kind of pathways open up again. And, you know, we start to really sort of celebrate and embrace the international community that we're a part of. Okay. All of the details are on CorkMidsummer.com. Like you said, is it about 40 venues you're using, 40 events and God knows how about many 40 venues. Events, yeah, all across the city. All yeah, right, okay, yeah. and we catch up again between now and the start of it all. But that's uh, Lorraine May, Festival Director of Cork Midsummer Festival. Kicks off on June 15th, but the launch of the programme is today, May the 3rd. And Midsummer, CorkMidsummer.com is where you'll find all of the deets that you need. All right, Ailish is in Cove. Ailish, how are you? What's the song? Money's too tight to mention, PJ. Money's too tight. I, I just thought I might go with it in the present economic <laughs> times in which we live. Money's too tight to mention. So we're going to send you and a partner along to see Simply Red, live at the Marquee, 1st of June, and dinner before that in Sober Lane. So at least we'll save you a bit of what's too too tight to mention. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks a million. All right, you're our first of a number of winners this week at the various events coming up live at the Marquee. That's Ailish and Cove. She's back with you there, Fee. Yeah, tomorrow I've got the National... Thursday, Crowded House, and Friday, take us to see Sheik and dinner as well. Sheik's a, I mean, Sheik's a biggie. Sheik's a biggie. I was at Sheik a couple of years ago, and the wife said to me, God, this will be back in Chandra's. <laughs> 0818 One last one before we go. Uh, in relation to the discussion about Katie Taylor's fight at the weekend, I have to say I find it extremely disturbing to watch two people, women or men, inflicting physical pain and injury on each other. Definitely would not describe it as sport. It's hard to credit we have so much effort going into rugby and other sports about limiting head injuries and concussion, and yet we can watch two people bash each other about the head without, at the minimum, a helmet in sight. I realise there are rules and regulations, and people have the fighters' best interests at the fore. But would I want to see someone I love do it? Definitely not. I'm delighted for Katie Taylor's success with the sight of her poor battered face. Not to mind the bruises we can't see has left me bewildered as to how anyone could see that as a sport. It's a point of view and it's a discussion and we've had some interesting views on it during the programme this morning. That's it though. We're edited today by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We're done. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.